0: Praise God. Hallelujah. Would you turn to somebody, shake somebody's hand and hug their neck, tell them I'm glad you're here tonight. Just tell them be encouraged in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just tell them joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Glad to see you tonight. Hallelujah. Praise your precious name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, we're glad you're here tonight. We bless you. want to recognize that um, this coming Sunday we're going to be recognizing all of our veterans, though, who, those who have served and who are serving. Uh, I had some special things made up, and they came in the mail today, so we got that in. And then next Wednesday, I'll be confirming, we may be having a veteran from Afghanistan who was wounded, and he may be with us next Wednesday on Veterans Day, which is Wednesday. And so um, we want to be recognizing our veterans, and Sunday morning we'll be handing out. I'll be ministering Sunday morning, but before, we've got a special presentation we want to do for all of those serving who have served. And we thank God for, for you, and we bless you. Also, uh, we have some boxes you see in the foyer. We are uh, gathering things for the Navajos uh, on the, for the reservation there. And, and uh, so uh, donating canned goods, toys, and personal items. And the boxes are designated. So we'd appreciate you just sowing into those people over 250,000. Uh, and so much need in that area, so we want to reach out to them this Christmas, and then uh, Brother Shane has an announcement here that Monday, November 9th at 7 here, they'll start their Christmas play and start getting ready for that, and it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be good, amen. amen, amen, thank God, we appreciate the parents and all who's bringing their kids to prepare for that, and we always have a good time, uh, I want to read out of Romans, and uh, tonight we have been studying the book of Romans, but I want to read out of Romans chapter 8, we're not there yet. We're still in chapter 1, but uh, Romans chapter 8, I want to read something to you. This is such a wonderful verse, especially with the worship that we were doing on the Lord God Almighty. I want to read, starting with the verse 31, Romans 8, verse 31, and I will be reading out of the message translation. And, and you may just want to listen to this. This is the message. It says, so what do you think with God on our side like this? How can we lose? Look at Schneider and say, with God on your side, how can you lose? Isn't that good? Woo! It goes on to say, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us. If he didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us. Embracing our condition. And exposing himself to the worst By sending his own son. Is there anything else. He wouldn't gladly. And freely do for us. Is that just one of the most. Awesome powerful verses. The whole word is powerful but. He put himself on our side. He put everything on the line. Embracing our condition. Christ went to the cross knowing exactly. How you and I are. And how we were. But he saw how we're going to be. Exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son. So is there anything he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger to one who died for us and who was raised to life for us? Is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us? Did you ever have anybody? So many people are wounded and hurt about not having someone stick up for them when they were down and when they were a child or when things were going wrong for them. If my dad would have stuck up for me, if my mom would have stuck up for me. And so many people are living bound in a condition that happened 10, 20, 30 years ago because somebody didn't stick up for them. A husband didn't stick up for their wife or so forth and so on. But this word is telling us that, hey, raise your head up high because there is one who entered into the Holy of Holies and he's sticking up for you. And when the accuser of the brethren, Satan himself or anyone else or anything else or any memory would try to rise up against you, you go, wait a minute. Christ accepted me in my condition before I knew him. And he put everything on the line because he knew that I was going to be a winner. He, he put a bet on me when it looked like I would end up losing And because of him now, I'm a winner, hallelujah, and you're a winner, and you're able to overcome all the obstacles. So I just praise God tonight that he put everything on the line so you and I can win throughout eternity. You're not losing. You're not going down. You're not going to lose your mind. You're not going to lose your marriage. You're not going to lose your job. You're not going to lose what God has given you because if he's given you the best, it's to keep you ready for the best that is coming for you. Amen. So when the ushers come forward, we're going to receive tonight's offerings in tithe. And we bless you and we thank you for your giving. Uh, I've got a special DVD presentation we're going to show now while they're picking up the offering. I want you to read the words. I want you just to enjoy the worship and see the words. But also look at the scenery because it's going to tie into the message tonight. So I appreciate that. And God bless you in Jesus' name. This leads to what we're going to be studying, if you open your Bibles, to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Not only the words and some of the key words that we saw in this song, which I believe will come back to your mind as we go according to the word tonight, but also some of the images there. Because he brings that up tonight. So I saw that song and I thought, well, you know, let's add this in, just a little lamby out there. Romans, chapter 1. Want to start off with verse 18. Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that that what may be known of God is manifest in them. Key point. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. "...being understood by the things that are made, the natural things, even even His eternal power, and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and with their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools." And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like a, like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, bear, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only of the same but also approve of those who practice him now as we get into this tonight one of the things you're going to recognize to pick up on is that humanistic spirit and humanistic doctrine that is so much in the political but also in the church church world it's a humanistic spirit which is the spirit of selfishness that man replaces the almighty god with the selfishness to do their own desires after their own lust. And we see today, and it's not about what group is right. Republican, Democrat, it's not about race. It's about nowadays where the humanistic part is. If you don't agree with me, I'm going to step on you. If you don't agree with me, then you're going to be belittled and outdone. So that we can outshine because it's not about what's good for the people. It's what's good for me. And what we see about a humanistic doctrine as we get into this tonight, we'll see, and we have to pray for our leaders, but we have to be careful that we ourselves don't get into areas where we fall into humanism or self-worship or let the flesh allow itself to be free to worship as it, as it desires. But we've got to understand that we are without excuse because if you look at nature, and they showed the different things a while ago, God is saying, I've given everything in the natural to prove to men that I exist. And that I'm sovereign and I'm omnipotent. And so we see here the problem is that men are trying to overrule. And the the Bible says they're suppressing the truth that's in them. To where the conscience is being seared. To where there is no more conscience. There is no, you know, you need to let the teacher have sex with the students. You need to go ahead and let that child without its parents consent go and abort and kill and murder that innocent baby. You need to go ahead and let the government run things the way somebody sees fit. And, and who cares if there's a little bit of lies or misuse? Who cares if there's a little bit of deceit? And God says that as they continue to lift themselves up and live according to their own way, that he will release them uh, into their own type of mindset. And we see this exemplified in the life of King Saul. The spirit of Saul is a spirit of humanism where we will never get to the destination God wants us without going the direction God has for us. We've got to understand that God has a direction written in his word. It's the way, the truth, and the life. It's the way to abundant life. It's the way to peace. It's, into the, it's the very way into the best that God has prepared. It's, but it's through his directions that we'll get to the direction and the place where God wants us to. And we've got to understand that even as King Saul, he was determined to get anybody out of his way that didn't agree with him. He was selfish. He was willing to lie to look good in front of the people. It was not about having a heart that pleased God. It was about having a heart that people could admire. When the prophet went and rebuked him about lying, he says, just walk with me and make me look good in front of the people. I want to look good in front of the people. I don't want to be shown false. I don't want to be shown a liar. I want to look good. It doesn't matter what God thinks about me. I want to look good in front of the people. And we see this just trying to creep in all kind of areas in our nation and trying to creep for years. It's a way that enemy tries to come in and creep into the church. But we are without excuse, but we know God. And it says that when we keep walking according to the knowledge we have inside of us, the truth, the spirit of truth that's been put within us. Many of us here, we've been received the word of God since we were a child. And that word is stored up, and when we get older and as we grow and we confront things, we don't have to let go of the truth just because it seems right with other people. But we want to walk right with God in every area of his statutes and keep his word right. Amen. Now, what I feel goes along with Romans chapter 1 I want to read to you. Go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 1. I feel that Proverbs, as I was praying, I felt the Holy Spirit just spoke to me, that Proverbs chapter 1 goes right along here with Proverbs, uh, with uh, Romans chapter 1. And I want you to see, and I'll be explaining the humanistic spirit as we go through this, but in Proverbs chapter 1, I'm going to start with verse 22. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22. It's a warning here. And it's a warning for the church, and it's a a warning for people who, who, who read the word and who listen by internet or by CD. It says, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning. There's a delight, there's a sense of importancy, of scorning and mocking. Can you imagine just a few weeks ago, did you hear about the football player who made a touchdown and raised his finger and pointed towards God and they, they counseled the touchdown and penalized him 15 yards because they said it was for exex, ex, excessive celebration? But yet you see them make touchdowns and they can shake everything that can be shaken. And wibble and wobble everything that can be wibbled and wobble. And there's nothing but touchdown. But if you, if you show God, the scorners penalize you. And that's exactly where we see things are trying to go. And we have to be ready for that type of persecution. But one thing we do have to know. It's not always going to go good with those who seem to have it good. There will be the vengeance of God that falls as it says here. And it says, for scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Don't tell me there's anything wrong with a man with a man and a woman with a woman. Let's, let's don't show partiality here. Let's get books that, that show that it's okay to have a mixed marriage. And, and uh, I mean the same sex marriage and all this other stuff. Scorners scorning and fools receiving knowledge. Verse 23 says, Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. If we don't have the spirit of the Lord, we will have the spirit of the enemy and antichrist. And I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. I'm not listening to that. That's old school. Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me. But I will not answer and they will seek me diligently. But they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge. And did not choose the fear of the Lord. And they would have none of my counsel. They pushed down the knowledge of God. They pushed it aside and despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell in safety. Hallelujah. And will be secure without fear of evil. Now, this is a strong word, but this is the word that Paul was given to the church at a time where they were compromising and you couldn't tell the church from the world and always attack against the body. And so as we read these scriptures here, we have to pay the most earnest heed and even thank God for the rebukes. Thank God for the fire. I thank God as as we sing. And they used to say, you know, I, I don't believe in trials. I thank God for trials. I thank God for testing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have never got where they'd gotten without the testing. And so I thank God for the fire and the testing because one thing, I want the rebuke of God. If there are some areas in my life that is not right with God, I want to to have a wake-up call through love and not through vengeance or suffering. The Bible says in Ezekiel 18.4, The person that sins shall die. This is the thing that I know... Was enough for God to send his only begotten son to pay a price because sin causes suffering if you take your notes you need to write that down sin causes suffering and it lists things of this some things of the sin here and, and, and we, we read some of these things and we're not going to get into it tonight. But so many times it's so easy to suppress the truth, not regard the rebuke of God, not listen or heed to the counsel of God. And how many times uh, we see marriages breaking up and, and, and you hear someone saying, well, look, this, the, I, I fell in love and this is a good Christian lady. And, and, and I felt like it was OK to go ahead and leave my wife or my husband to marry her. Well, what's to make you think that she's not going to leave you like she left the last one? What's well, going to make you think that he's going to leave his wife or not leave you like he left the last one. And we live according to what we think is right and we try to uh, consider things. You're going to see the word, they live according to their imaginations. Whatever we consider is right, whatever we consider is the right direction, but it doesn't always live, lead to a life of peace. You know, the Lord telling us not to sin, it's not to rob us from a good time. Listen, I have a good time without sinning. I don't have to wake up in somebody's bed worried about somebody else's diseases, worrying about dying in young age, worrying about somebody's soul ties, worrying about dying and going to hell. I I go to bed with a good conscience, I get up with a good conscience, and hey, that's an awesome life right there in itself. Amen. But we see here that the prophets of old said, if you're not obedient to God, wrath will involve you in either ruin or disaster. We're saved from the wrath of God, but if we continue to repress the truth of the word and not obey what God is telling us, that is called rebellion. And rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. And witchcraft is going against what God loves and God wants. Wherever we fall into the sin of rebellion? I'm not going to obey God. That's Rebellion. I'm going to do things my way. That's the spirit of rebellion. That's what Paul was talking. Uh, The humanistic spirit of America is rebellion against the principles. And as someone once said, what Paul was talking about, it's morals that make a nation. And it's the forgetting of morals that destroy a nation. And humanism means that my God is going to protect me no matter what, and that there is no God really to worry about because I've made myself God to please myself. And there's consequences to these things. And Paul is warning the church about take heed. Take heed to yourselves and be careful. A man once wrote... In the 19th century, one lesson and one lesson only history may be said to repeat with distinctness that the world is built somehow on moral foundations. That in the long run, it is well with the good, and in the long run, it will be ill with the wicked. How many you are glad we're not wicked? Amen. We're not wicked, but we have to be careful of the things that we see here. Suffering follows sin. How many of you know, if you don't have rain... The laws of a harvest is broken. How many of you know that they showed the other day they were blowing up this building to fall down? And when they exploded the bombs, it wasn't done right, and the building fell over backwards next to another building instead of falling straight down. There are laws to architecture that if they're broken, they won't work. Well, there are laws by God that if we break them, there are certain things that are just not going to work in our lives. And so it's talking here about being careful because we are left without excuse. Instead of looking out to God, we look out for ourselves. That's what Paul is warning us about. Be careful that you're not looking just out for yourself. And that there's the thinking of we're wise. Well, all the time we're fools thinking that we're getting away. And fools, they are fools because they make their ideas, their opinions, and their speculations the standard of life. Well, you know, you can, you know, the, the, the preacher day, you know, people can go for away and say the preacher today was preaching his opinion, his interpretation of the word of God. If you study the word of God for yourself, it is very clear. The soul that sins shall die. Choose this day whom you will serve. And many people say, yeah, but that is so much Old Testament. We're under grace. Well, we're studying in the New Testament tonight. And you can't suppress the truth. You can't live according to our own opinions and ideas and speculations. We've got to live according to the will of God. Jesus prayed, to, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so sinners many times are making man the master of things and setting our own standards by our own opinions and living self-centered instead of God-centered and looking to ourselves. Uh, and, and how many you know that if you don't look where you're going, you're usually going to fall. And so we've got to look where we're going. The word there we read in Romans chapter 1 is idolatry. Idolatry is the worship of anything except God. Idolatry, you can write this down. Idolatry always has a root in being selfish. Idolatry is self-worship. I want to do that. I want to taste that. I want to have that. I want to be part of that it's selfishness and selfishness leads to destruction because it's being self-centered And why do people do that because of their own schemes and dreams they further their worship of self instead of the worship for God He said that the wrath is there the wrath comes upon men who reject the truth within them You know when you first are start, you know when you get saved and you're learning the word of God and as you're growing And, you know, like Brother Ricky and I was talking about, there's just certain movies, you know, you're just not going to watch. There's certain things you won't listen to and hear. And when you're going through these things at first, you know, you hear something. Well, at first it bothers you. And for a while, you know, it bothers you. And if you turn it off, you're keeping your conscience clear. But if you continue to watch or listen to things you shouldn't watch or listen or get with people who do or keep practicing things, you keep suppressing the Holy Spirit saying, don't watch that. Oh, it's not going to bother me. Don't listen to that. Oh, it's not going to bother me. I'll I'll pray and repent because after all, the Lord's Supper is the first Sunday of every month. So I'll make sure that I'm okay before I take the Lord's Supper the first of every month. And so I've got a few weeks, so I'll go ahead and just do this and it won't bother or anything like that. And we suppress our conscience and pretty soon the conscience starts getting harder and harder and harder. And harder, and the Holy Spirit backs away, and He quits speaking. And we continue to do things and go, and we start getting harder and harder. And we start getting deceived by sin, we start getting deceived by our own selves, and we find ourselves deeper and deeper. And we start rejecting our consciences. And that's what it says in Romans chapter 1. We reject the conscience, we reject the voice of the Holy Spirit. We reject the thoughts and we reject the reasonings of God. I just want to read to you in Romans chapter 2. Let's jump over to the next chapter. Let let me just read this to you in Romans chapter 2. Verse 14. Romans chapter 2 verse 14. This is talking about we have the truth within us. For when the Gentiles, who did not have the law, by nature do things in the law. Or in other words, the Gentiles didn't have the Ten Commandments and all the commandments of God. But yet, many of the Gentiles in their own deep down understanding, they knew it was wrong. I mean, there's even other uh, pagan religions that, that kill people who commit adultery or people who steal. Because they they, in the, they got a moral law inside of them, even though they don't have the law of God. And although not having the law, are a law to themselves. Well, that's just wrong. There's consequences to that. They don't have the law, but they know it's wrong. Verse 15. Who show the work of the law written in their hearts. Listen to what it says. Their conscience also bearing witness between themselves, their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them. Whoa. Accusing. Or excusing. This is the New King James. Accusing or excusing. Verse 16 says, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus of Christ according to my gospel. Wow. That is strong. The day that Jesus will judge the secrets of men. Nobody knows. But God knows, and He talks here that you excuse, or a man finds it easy to excuse. I don't know how many times I've, I've ministered, even in third world countries. And why? Why do? Why do the men? Why do you think that you have to have all the women in the world? It's because I'm Latin, and then the French will say it's because I'm Frances, I'm French, and then this one will say it's because I'm Italian. And they'll all give excuses. But how many know man is man is sin and sin? and, And it doesn't, you can't make excuses. Why? Well, my daddy was that way and that was the way I was brought up. Okay, but now you have your own conscience. You don't live according to your daddy's conscience. You live according to the conscience of the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within you. Well, it's a generational curse. Well, then break it. It's a generational curse. Well, break it. You are born again. You have a new nature inside of you. Well, you know, it's just there's so much out there. You know, I don't know what I'm missing. Yeah, you're missing hell. You're missing that your secrets will be revealed on that day. And that's what Paul is trying to bring across However, men men chooses not to know God. I've heard people tell me, yeah, I saw so-and-so in church, but they acted like they didn't know me. And I called them by name and they didn't even look at me. Brother and sister, that ain't nothing compared if you get yourself in a pickle and you need God, and you go, God! God says, you acted like you didn't know me. When I was trying to call you out of that mess. And now all of a sudden. You know me and you want me to acknowledge you. Now you call on me. But I appear to you in dreams. The preacher preached to you. But you weren't listening to the preaching you were daydreaming. You weren't following in the Bible. Because who needs to follow in the Bible? That's old school. Who needs to study? Who needs to listen to the messages they miss out? Who needs to pray? Who needs to go and hear the restraints? God says, my children need it. Because they call, they choose not to know God. He even chooses to take the truth that is within him and suppress it. Man rejects the knowledge of God that's within him. And that opens the door for the wrath of God. Rejecting the knowledge of God. And he says... Men are without excuse. They go, well, I never heard about that. He says, you know, people say, you know, well, I never knew there was a God. We lived in third world countries. I could show you three videos back to back that the descendants of the, the, the Maya Indians and the descendants of Koja Indians in South America, I filmed, we have, we, her and I together, we filmed their sacrifices and their uh, prayers and worship to other gods. There is something in man who prays to a higher power and they don't know who to pray to all the time. They don't know who this God is. They need a bunch of gods because they keep searching. There is something inside of man to worship something. Something inside of him tells him to sacrifice and something inside of him tells them to live moral lives. And when we take that truth and we suppress it and God is saying, wait a minute. He says it there in the book of Romans. Just look. Just take one hair from, one, from brother Buddy's head. And take it. And the DNA would tell you about him. And his father. And his mother. And so forth and so on. You can get on Ancestry.com. And if you want to make sure you have found the right lineage of your family. You get a Q-tip and you put it in your mouth. And stick it in a plastic thing and send it to them. And they'll identify whether you're really kin to the king or the prisoner the priest or the prostitute because we all want, we want to choose our lineage but it's amazing that when you start studying your lineage you find out there's two different there's two different ways you are either kin to one or the other and that's what god is saying here i've told you in nature look at the body hold a baby and how can you say there's not a god Look at the clouds and look at the trees. Look at all that God has done. And you're going to say there's not a God. No, even those who's never heard the God or had the Bible presented to them, somehow they feel there's a higher power because this is just too awesome to exist by itself. I reveal it in, in beauty in the body, intelligence. It talks about the energy and the power of God, the purpose of God, the glory of God, the honor of God. The creator of God who provides for all that he's created. And he says, men are without an excuse. Men are without excuse. Man has every evidence within creation showing that God does exist. But yet, how many still reject God as creator? They argue over the age of the bones that they find. They argue and, and over all the other different things and try, to try to prove that there's not a creator, but everything keeps pointing out because when you get to the very end, they still say somebody had to even cause that to start. They want to refuse. But what's dangerous is we, we think it's so foolish not to believe in God as creator, but yet God believes it's foolish that we can practice a life of sin and get away with it. Because as they repress the truth that there is a God, we repress the truth that God is holy and pure and beautiful. Man is without excuse. Therefore, man has no defense to answer, to reason, or even justify himself before God. It's totally a based upon the blood of Jesus Christ and us being saved from our sins and living a life for him. There is no way I will stand before God and ever be able to justify and argue over my secret sins that will not pass in the court of the holiness of God. It says, read a few verses to you in Acts 14, 17. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. It says in Psalms 19:1, the heavens declare the glory of God and his handiwork. Amen. Psalms 97, 6. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. So he says, there is no excuse that people cannot say there is no God. There is a God. But with. In themselves, they dishonor and deprave God within themselves in their thought life, their reasonings, and their conscience. It says they did not glorify him, they did not worship him, and they did not serve him as God. And that song tonight was, I'm going to serve you with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my spirit. Nor did give thanks to him, nor praise him, or magnify or express, express appreciation to him. He says, I'll give you over to vain imaginations. The word imaginations there in Romans chapter 1. Imaginations means thoughts, reasonings, arguments, conclusions, and speculations. Paul is warning the church about being careful about our reasonings and and, uh, arguings and conclusions and speculations. It's so easy to argue with ourselves. Well, you know, is this really wrong? Is that really wrong? Am I really opening a door if I do that? God, you know. If I just get to do it one time. And how many of you know that one time is enough. They say one time with crack is enough to keep you addicted for the rest of your life. One bite of an apple or a fruit. We don't know if it was an apple. But one bite of a fruit was enough to get man kicked out of the garden. And live all these thousands of years. Because we repressed the truth. Amen. And, and the word vain means empty and unsuccessful, senseless and worthless. Don't give your imaginations over to worthless, vain things. And it goes on to say that uh, when men push gods out of their minds, their minds are void and empty of God. And when our minds are void and empty of God, and this is an important lesson, when our minds are void and empty of God, something is going to fill our mind. Something worthless, because we lost what was worthy. Something evil, because we suppressed the good. And so, whatever we don't, if we keep our minds unoccupied, something's going to come in our mind. If we go a few days without prayer and the word and worship, well, I tell you what, the, the God of this world will, is ready, and everything is already ready and full and pointing. Towards the things of this world of empty, void, worthless, deadly poisons. To come into our hearts and our minds. To fill our minds and our hearts with that which is evil. So we have to be careful that our minds are filled with God and not with self. Genesis 6, 5 says, And God saw the wickedness of man who was great in the earth. And every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. Psalms ten four. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. How many of you have had friends and people you know and say, listen, and, they, and they're telling you their problems and you tell them, look, you need to get in church. Oh, yeah, I, I know that. I know that. I know I need to get in church, but they don't. How many times you've known people like that and you tell them, or you see somebody who came to church, you say, listen, and they tell you, look, man, I'm going through all kind of stuff right now. You need to get back in church. Yeah, I know, I know. They're suppressing God out of their thoughts because they want to continue to do what their thoughts are telling them to do. I'd rather serve what is worthless than to serve he who is worthy. And it leads to death and destruction. It talks about Proverbs 15, 26. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. And Ezekiel 18, 12 says that he said unto him, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the chambers of his imagination. Nobody knows what I'm doing. But God sees what is done in the chambers of our mind and our thought. God sees what is done in the chambers of our mind and our hearts. I share with brothers and, and, and share with sisters about when they say, you know, uh, when we talk about how you're supposed to hug the opposite sex, sex in church and how you're supposed to treat the other, your brothers and your sisters with respect. And the thing I tell them, you've always got to think about every lady as your sister. Every lady is your sister. And every brother is your brother. So your mind don't go there. And then when people on the street watching what you look at, watch what you hear. Somebody, the people went to a concert Saturday night and they were all saying the same thing. They got so sick of that country music. Because it all was about fooling around and taking off with somebody else's wife and dog, gun and boat. I mean, all that music does and you listen to hours of it. You listen to it every day and it will fill your mind and fill your heart. And you're seeing the devil's TV screen showing, it's all okay. And your conscience starts getting seared, and then you start thinking, that's okay. And it's not. And he says, I'm going to judge even what's done in the chambers of the heart. Because he talks about, they said, God says in Romans, their heart is foolish. It's darkened. That word foolish means it's senseless, without understanding, and it's unintelligent. And the word darkened means it's blinded, unable to see. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see what is blinding my conscience and my heart. Help us tonight, oh Holy Spirit, help us tonight. That if there be any darkness over any area of our conscience, of our soul, if there's anything that is just distracting us from walking in your perfect will, as your word is teaching us, We don't want to live a life suppressing the truth. We want to live a life of the truth. Only your truth can set us free. So, Father, we thank you, therefore, light. We know that darkness cannot abide in the light, and we desire to abide in the light of your word. Forgive us for any area where we have compromised or reasoned that this is good or that is good. Lord, help us not to call ourselves judge over things. But to allow the Holy Spirit to judge that which is good and that which is evil. We pray Holy Spirit in Jesus name. Amen. Men suffer empty imaginations. Darkened hearts. Because they do not glorify God or offer God thanks. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 26, 27, And everyone that heareth these things of mine and doeth them is like a man which builds his house upon the sand and doth not do them is like a man who builds his house upon the sand. The rain descends, the floods come, the winds blow and beat the house, and it falls, and great is the fall of it. And James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not is sin. When you know what is good, And you don't do it, it's sin. And sin opens the door for death and the curse. And Paul is warning us here, and he's teaching us here, get full of the word, practice on the word of God. And another thing that we're being warned here is the rejection of God in God's ways, it's pride. How many know, God hates pride. It's a rejection of what God wants for our life, to become prideful and turn away from God. And here's part of the humanistic doctrine. Oh, come on, you're too, you're too smart to believe that there really is a God and to really believe there's a hell? Come on. Who's seen hell and who has seen heaven? Have you seen God? And that's humanism. How can you believe in something you haven't seen nobody else has seen? It's a fragment of someone's imagination. Too in, you're too intelligent to be one of them Bible thumpers. I mean, you hear the language of the Bible? You, you t- you're too intelligent. There's too many new things to get a hold of. You still believe that old stuff? That won't work for you. You're too intelligent. You're too capable to look after yourself. You're smarter than that. You're too resourceful not to create your own world and your own future. You're too masterful not to trust in your own humanistic ideas. And you're too reasonable and rational not to create your own standards and laws that control your life. How are you going to let what somebody preaches and tells you or teaches you control your life? You're your own person. You're your own man. And both Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley both saying it. I did it my way. And my wife made a, uh, a point today while we were sitting down drinking tea. She said, isn't it f- something that the iPhone and uh, all these other things, it's all coming out I, I, I iTunes is so many things that starts with I and how many of you know if you go read the book of Ezekiel that's exactly what Lucifer the head angel said constantly I I I how many know for us it's he 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 amen amen men profess themselves to be wise men's hearts and minds are emptied of God men have to fill their hearts and thoughts with something else they have to have some God, some other guiding light or principle to give purpose and meaning and direction to their lives. You see, if God is not everything for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find something pleasing in the world. And how me know the, ways, the wages of sin is death. But help me know that there's a, there's a season that things in this world may be fun and fulfilling, but it'll always end in tragedy. They have to replace God with something else. They have to have something and some standard, some rule, some person, some God thing by which they can guide their lives. Therefore, men dethrone God and erase God and his holy word from their lives and their conscience. Think about it. Every time I do my own thing and I don't repent and I'm I'm determined I'm going to live this way, I'm taking an eraser and I'm erasing every time. I'm erasing another scripture out of God's word. I'm erasing it for me. His words are eternal. But every, I'm determined. I, I'm going to live a life of sin. I'm going to practice sin. I'm going to do what pleases me. And when, every time I do that, I'm erasing. I'm erasing and making void. I'm erasing this word and God from my conscience. So I can be free to do as I please. I mean, when... You can counsel people who say they are Christians and they'll look at you and tell you, Preacher, I don't care what you say, but the next woman I get, I'm going to live with her and try her out for a long time before I marry her because I want to make sure it works. When They they don't even breathe a second breath to tell you, I'm going to live with them. I'm purposely going to live with them before I marry them. No matter what you or the Bible says, I'm purposely going to try them out to see if I can live with them or not. Well, you're erasing the Word of God. And you're erasing God and your conscience from life. And I'm just telling you right now, no matter how good it is before you get married, you've opened the door for a curse that'll continue. Go ahead and be prideful and tell me or tell anybody, tell God, tell His Word, I'm doing it my way. I don't care what you say, I'm living with a person. I don't care what you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get drunk because at least I don't have to worry about what I'm going about in the moment. i want to get high because at least I feel good for the moment. I don't care what you say, you're erasing God and his word from your conscience. But just because you erase it doesn't mean it's still not there. That's what Paul is saying. This is some powerful stuff, amen? Aren't you guys for the people listening by internet and not you? (laughs) Amen. Love you too. Yeah, love you too. Men reason and speculate about the ultimate source of life and whatever they come up with, whatever they come up with, I love this, whatever they come up with, that's what they're going to give their lives to. What makes me happy? Is it pornography? Then that's what I'm going to give my life to. Is it drugs? Then that's what I'm going to give my life to. Is it chasing men or women? Then that's what I'm going to give my life to. Is it exchanging even the natural uses of the love between a man and a woman for the love of a woman with a woman or a man with a man? Well, look, I have a right in this country, and you have a right in this country, but you will not have a right in glory. No matter what they make legal here, the laws up there don't change. The laws up there do not change humanistic people are trying to change all the laws, all the ways of thinking, even trying to get into grade school, and they're trying to get into people's brain. But I tell you what, there is coming a day, Proverbs 1 said, that God is going to laugh at you, whether you're the president or you're a peon, God is going to laugh at you when your calamity comes and the storm hits and everything that you did to make yourself look good, it's all going to burn in fire because it's all going to be done by man and it's not going to be built upon the rock, which is Jesus Christ. Amen, church. Somebody say, hell and brimstone preaching. It says in Jeremiah 4.22, For my people is foolish, they have not known me. How many times when we were kids, we'd do something and... How many of your mama's face would come into your mind? I mean, the worst thing in the world is even on your honeymoon, your mama's face come in your mind. <laughs> Get out of here, mama! <laughs> but anyway, going on. <clears throat> Romans one twenty two: professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. 1 Corinthians 2, 6-7 Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect? Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world, that they come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Unto our glory. God wants your life to be glorified, filled with his presence and his peace. 1 Corinthians three nineteen through 20 For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Oh, nobody's getting away with anything. He takes the wise with their own craftiness. Well, we'll change the name of it. I'll go to church on Sundays to try to show people I'm a Christian. But your life says different. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise. They're vain, empty, blinded. Colossians 2.8. And 23 says, beware lest any man spoil you through, through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and the rudiments of this world. And then it talks about men exchanging the incorruptible for the corruptible. And we'll get into the era of humanism. And I'll just go ahead and save, save that for next week as we get into the latter part of the book of Romans. So let's go ahead and stand tonight. Now let's just get saved all over again. How about it? How <laughs> I many you know God has put laws for our own good? Amen. And thank God we've been redeemed. Thank God we're saved. Thank God for the mercy of God. Thank God that when we fall, his mercy is great. His mercy covers a multitude of sins. Thank God that if we sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But I also want you to know, He is mighty to save and deliver by us exchanging the wicked thoughts and vain imaginations for the mind of Christ. To fall so in love with Him. The reverence of God to love you so much that we don't want to do anything to offend you. To love the Holy Spirit in His presence so much that there's nothing I want to do to quench or grieve you. Oh, Holy Spirit, holy, you're holy. You're holy in this place. You're holy in our lives. This word is holy. Every day men see the word holy, the holy Bible. We speak of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we come tonight in, in studying the letters of Paul. Oh, Father, that Lord, our calloused hearts be softened. That your spirit writes your laws and commandments in our heart that we may please you in every way. And Holy Spirit, we thank you. It's your presence to strengthen us, give us guidance and I thank you, Father, for Jesus, our high priest, who intercedes for us. Intercedes for each and every one of us here right now, interceding for us. That we may grow in wisdom, and we may grow in knowledge, and we may grow in holiness, and we may grow more into his image. He said you're coming back for a bride without spot and wrinkle, and we humble ourselves tonight. And we need the complete work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Just take a minute right now with your eyes closed and just open your heart before God. We repent of any rebellion, any selfishness, any putting God and His ways down and lifting my ways up. Just right now before you and Him. Open the secret chambers of your heart. Open the secret chambers of your thought and life. If there is any reoccurring patterns, he says, according to his word, we can take those thoughts and bring them under the control and destroy those vain imaginations that darken our lives. Just just ask the Holy Spirit to show you anything and repent of it. You don't have to tell no one. You don't have to say it out loud. There's any works of the flesh. If there's an area that you're weak in, he knows that. He understands that. He knows your area of weakness. But you show him and prove to him that you truly desire to change. Prove to him you want to change. Convince him that you are repentive. Convince him that you want to live for him. Passionately convince him that you are sorry and you want to change even though it's hard. Open your heart before him tonight. Open your heart before him tonight. Because he looks upon the heart. Let me, let me end with this and just share this with you. David was a lot worse of a person than Saul was. David was a, uh, he had babies with all kind of women. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. David did all kind of things wrong in his life. Saul did very little. But Saul wouldn't repent and David would. And God called this man that was so eaten up with lust that when he was old and dying, they took a virgin and threw him in the bed to to test if he was alive or he was dead. That's how bad David was. Fought with lust all of his life. So when he was dying, they threw a virgin in there. And when he didn't respond, they knew he, he, king's dead. That's pretty bad. But he was the greatest king that ever lived. though Because though he was not perfect, he had a heart that he wanted. He said, Lord, search me and know me. If there'd be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. He didn't want to live for himself. He wanted to live for the glory of God. And he lived a repentant life. Saul wanted to look good in front of the people. David wanted to look good in front of God. Saul wanted the prophet to hold his hand and walk in front of the people. David ripped his clothes and danced naked before all of Israel because he wanted to look good in front of God and not look good in front of the people. Tonight I believe the challenge is we want to rend our hearts and we want to make sure we live a life naked and pure before God. That we're living a life that pleases Him. Not a life that's pleasing ourselves. Amen. I how many have been challenged? Amen. We, I've been challenged tonight. And I know you're living a good life, but I've been challenged. I'm going to live even better. Amen? Amen? I know I'm the only one raising my hand, but God sees my hand and I'm honest. I humble myself before you. Okay, I see that half of us are going to heaven and the other half are going to hell. I see that. But that's okay. We'll pray for you. Next week, you'll have your hand up too. but. And I confess that he that begun a good work in you and I will finish unto the day of redemption. Hallelujah. Let's thank him for that. Amen. Let's thank him for that. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. Hallelujah. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Well, listen, we love you. If you need prayer, we'll be here to pray with you. We love you. We bless you. We'll see you Sunday morning. We'll have an awesome time. Bring some veterans if you know them. Let us... Let us encourage them and bless them, and we want to bless and encourage you. Love you. God bless. Amen.